Today, we step into our walk to Easter. Today begins the 40-day journey that we take called Lent on a way to Easter and the celebration that is there. And as we take that journey, we begin on a day like today. Now, last year, you'll remember that we maybe had a little bit more snow. Um, We were reminded that the service was postponed a week. But today, in this space, we make our 40-day beginning to our time to Easter. And we do it in something called Ash Wednesday. Now, if you're unfamiliar, Ash Wednesday is historically remembered in the church as the beginning of this season. And there is a central thing that is at the heart of Ash Wednesday, and it's a truth that we understand about ourselves. That's where it all begins. And so to look at that truth, to see it clearly, we begin at the very beginning. In creation with Adam and Eve, a story that can be familiar in the frequency with which we look into its parts. But there is a central truth that we learn about ourselves, all people, that blooms from that story at the very beginning. And so as you might recall, there is Adam and Eve in the garden, in the perfect company of God. But there were some rules that God had put forth to Adam and Eve. There was food that they couldn't eat, and there was a place that they shouldn't go. Simple rules for a very simple time, a beautiful time in the garden. And yet, when faced with temptation, deception, there was sin that entered the world. And they ate of the fruit that they weren't to eat. They went to the place that they weren't to go. And there were consequences to that disobedience of those first people. And God has this interaction where he talks about this very consequence that would impact not only those two, Adam and Eve, but all of humanity as a result. And in the course of unpacking what it is that is the consequence for that disobedience, we read words that are familiar and very poignant for today. In this pronouncement over Adam... God says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you are taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And so from that moment forward, out of the dust of creation, God determined the consequence to pee that we would return to dust. From immortal to mortal, from infinite to finite, The Apostle Paul would put it into the simplest terms into when he wrote this letter to the Romans. Words that if you are familiar with that Roman road to understanding faith, at the center of that are the wages of sin, are death. And as the song goes, I know most aren't familiar, but the worms crawl in and the worms crawl out and the worms play pinochle on your snout. You see, time and decomposition reduce flesh and bone to just bone and then given enough time 
to dust. Time is almost undefeated, except for Enoch and Elijah and, of course, Jesus. Paul clarifies even further when he ties this identity of all humanity, the truth at the center of who we are. He says these words in Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ash Wednesday is the time when we pause to remind ourselves that all have sinned and all deserve death. We are all dust and all of us will return to that same state of dust. In the, in the Bible, we can see practices, tradition, traditional behaviors that connect people, the people of God in particular, with their place before God as dust before God. You see, twice when Job is lamenting the incredible tragic circumstances of his, of his life, he utters in confusion and he practices this dust ritual. And he says in Job 30, 19, it says, he throws me into the mud and I am reduced to dust and ashes. And again, in Job 42, it says this, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Both moments reflect a practice of physically stepping into the dirt of which you will return. And therefore, establishing that place before God, that outward sign that you are God and I am not. Now, we are not going to have places to bathe in dust today, to lay and to roll in this place. But we are going to practice today what it means to remind ourselves of the dust for which we will return. And it's important that we remind ourselves of these, of these moments. You know, we aren't going to step into the ashes fully, but we are going to take on an attitude of ashes this evening. And while it's not the tradition of every Christian church, I believe that there is an importance to this intentional remembrance that happens in a rhythm throughout the year. Why is this important? Intentional remembrance matters because we so easily forget as our identity shifts even throughout a single day. I, like you, have many different roles that I play in a day. I can wake up and I am a pet owner. The very first thing that I have to do is I have to let my little dog, Olive, or actually she's kind of a big chubby dog, but uh, my chubby dog, Olive, out the door so that she can go to the bathroom I subtly shift my, my practices and, and my role to a student as I study God's word in the morning and sit in a very particular space in my house. I shift again to parent as I get my two youngest boys ready for school, make sure they're out the door. I don't get them very ready, but they get out the door. It shifts again as I drive into work and I become a pastor and an employee and as I head home, it shifts again into a chauffeur, a homework specialist, a child entertainer, a cleaner upper, a getter and shaper, a husband, and eventually, if all goes well, I get to be a sleeper at the end. <laughs> and when we do this day after day, and week after week, and month after month, slowly our identity can shift from who we are to the roles that we play. And while the roles we play do reveal glimpses into what we do, 
Who we are is determined a different way. Ultimately, who we are is defined by God. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So it's important to intentionally pause and reset our identity year after year so that the day after day, the week after week, the month after month, doesn't draw us too far away from who we really are. We so easily forget. Now, the second reason it is important to intentionally pause and to reset this identity is because we all have certain blind spots in our lives. You know, my middle son is approaching one year as a licensed driver, and that whole process was frightening, freeing, and as I watch him go through it all, it brings me back to remembering how I passed my test, you know, so long ago. You know, I learned and took my test in a little tiny pickup truck, a two-seater. That way I could look and I could see 360 degrees with absolutely nothing in my way, and there was no place I couldn't parallel park despite the fact that it was a stick shift. And that's because there wasn't a blind spot that existed in that 1987 Dodge D50 pickup truck. Now, that wasn't true with my first car that I had. My first car that I had was a 1984 Ford Thunderbird. And there might have been more blind spot than places to see through the windows in that car. In fact, as you looked around with, between the posts that were in the windows and the tiny little back window, you were lucky to see the tree line as you looked back and certainly not anything that was in your way. And so I say this story because a blind spot in a car is something that we can all identify with, something that we can relate to. It gives us a way to understand the blind spots that we can easily have in our understanding of sin. You see, some of our blind spots are truly just being naive. It has something to do with the way the car is built, right? Mostly out of our control, and it takes a huge amount of effort to work around and get used to. Um, but it is every bit as deadly as any other type of blind spot would be. And some of the blind spots we manufacture for ourselves, the stuffed animals in the back windowsill, or maybe an air freshener hanging from the rearview mirror, We have accurately assessed it and identified it. When we think about it, we feel like we are in control. Not only do we think we can see all of our own sin, right? We think we can see all of the sin for every other driver that is on the road. That fact remains, though, is that that sin is all around us. And the consequence of that sin is death. It was blind spots like these that prevented the Pharisees, the religious upholders of the law, from seeing Jesus right in front of them. From Matthew 12, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. The Pharisees caught them in the act. Jesus answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he, was with his, he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrated the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here 
If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. You see, the Pharisees, they were so distracted by calling out the sin in the disciples that they missed the Jesus that was right in front of them. And blind spots are like that. They are a powerful distraction that prevents us from fully seeing Jesus. For those Pharisees, out of a desire to be right with God, their focus was so narrowed and skewed, understanding the sin of the disciples that they missed the Jesus that was right in front of them. You know, when I was really young, um, I was preparing for my first communion. And I remember it because there was something that worked its way into my thoughts about sin that were hard for me to let go of. Somehow in that communion training that I had, it had come into my mindset that I needed to ask for forgiveness for every particular sin that I had sinned in any particular day. And so I had to make account at in the evening, and I would be desperate to recall all the, and I was a sinful little kid. <laughs> but I thought if I missed one, I'd miss out on being right with God. So sometimes we can get messed up in how we think about sin and how it relates to us. And in the middle of that distraction of sin, we can miss, like I did, the point of First Communion, the point of what we're here today to discuss. It's that Jesus is at the center. Or maybe you've gone down a comparative sin path. My sin isn't as bad as theirs. At least I'm not like they are. All of the distractions that come in our eyesight, in our line of sight with Jesus, it diminishes the way that he can work through us and that the ways that we can step into his power. And so why the church rhythm of Ash Wednesday once per year, whether we want it or not? Why the intentional recalibration of our identity into the truth of who we are as sinners? Why is it necessary to focus and refocus on the ways that we fall short of the mark? Why do we speculate on how we might be missing Jesus in the blind spot of our sin. It's simple, really. Terry alluded to it in the introduction for tonight, because without Ash Wednesday, there is no Easter. If we don't know sin, if we can't see our own sin, if our view of sin becomes distorted, or if we get distracted by other people's sin, or if we build gigantic sin blind spots, if those things happen, then we don't see Jesus. And when we don't see Jesus, then Easter loses its value, loses its meaning in our lives. What does it matter if Jesus took our sin to the cross with him, died for our sin, defeated sin by, raising, by, by being raised from the dead? What does it matter if we don't know our sin? On Ash Wednesday, we don't focus on our sin so that we can feel guilty or depressed. We focus on sin so that we can see Jesus. And in seeing Jesus, we believe in Jesus. And in believing in him, it sets us free. And on the road to living for Jesus, the road to Easter, the attitude of ashes sets us on the road. 
And at the very start of this message, I read two verses from Romans that were to help us understand this truth about us and the importance of the rhythms of Ash Wednesday. But the greater purpose of the hope that is found in Ash Wednesday is also found in the second half of each of those very verses. Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. That's the familiar part. But the second half is this, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The hope of Easter. In Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The familiar part. But then as follows, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by who? By Christ Jesus. The hope of Easter. On Ash Wednesday, we, con- we, we connect to our identity as a sinner. But we place the ash on our foreheads in the shape of a cross. And we do that because it connects us with, it connects our attitude with ashes with the hope who is Jesus. Because we are not just sinners, but we are simultaneously children of God. First John says it this way, see how many, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. So the pause this Ash Wednesday to recognize our own mortality is so that we can clearly see and experience the hope that is Easter in the person that is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We come to you with gratitude because that is the heart condition that you call us to. And so we thank you even for this moment when we see the flaw in ourselves, those places and those moments and those decisions and those blind spots that draw us further and further away from you. And so we pray for that to be illuminated in us today, that we would see, that we would realize, that we would know that we are sinners that we are only dust before you and that everything we are is in need of a savior. And so Lord, today, this evening, we pray that we would step into this road to Easter together and in finding our way, our way forward, our way out, our way in freedom, that we would connect this attitude of ashes to the hope of your son, Jesus. Because it is in his name that we pray, in Jesus' name, and all God's saints said, amen.